From the State Capitol, WFSU Public Media brings you Capital Report. If you have a, a family that's very high income, they have school choice. This bill takes all the tools away from David against Goliath for insurance premiums that you have paid for. We allow school choice, academic choice, a choice to homeschool, FLVS. Why not athletic choice? The 2023 Florida lawmaking session is underway, and this was day two of the 60-day gathering. The Republican supermajority in both chambers received marching orders yesterday from legislative leadership and Governor Ron DeSantis. Will they fully comply, or will there be pushback? From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. The Florida AFL-CIO, representing over 1 million union members, retirees, and their families, committed to building a better future for all Floridians by promoting healthy communities, economic justice, and dignity in the workplace. Online at flaflcio.org. Rambana and Ritchie, immigration attorneys concentrating on complex immigration across the nation from Florida's capital and their mobile office. Self-sponsored green cards, I-9 compliance, and deportation defense. Rambana and Ritchie, on the web at rambana.com. And from a grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley. Supporting public radio and taking time to care. On the web at searcylaw.com. This is Capital Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Today at the Capitol... After years of false starts, supporters think this is the year major lawsuit reform will come to Florida. The concept of universal school vouchers is bumping into some unpleasant fiscal realities. A proposal to bring rural electric cooperatives that provide broadband under the authority of the state's Public Service Commission gets its first hearing. And high school athletics could fall under the control of the Florida governor's office under a bill now being debated at the Capitol. Florida's Republican lawmakers are making good on efforts to revamp the state's lawsuit environment. It's a priority of House Speaker Paul Renner and has the backing of the governor. But Adrian Andrews reports Democrats have doubts over whether the bill will improve the state's insurance markets. If passed, House Bill 837 would change how civil claims and lawsuits are handled. The bill deals with things like personal injury and insurance claims. It revises how payouts are calculated and determined and would shorten the time frame for an injured person to file a claim. Democratic Representative Hillary Cassell of Dania Beach worries it gives large insurance companies an advantage. This bill is too extreme. This bill takes all the tools away from David against Goliath for insurance premiums that you have paid for, that you have worked for, and you put your head on a pillow at night with that security knowing the insurance company is going to be there for you when you need it. Republican leaders are supporting the legislation. Governor Ron DeSantis says the bill will lower premiums in the state's insurance market and hopefully encourage more companies to offer insurance in Florida. Uh, I'm for legal reform. You know, you guys be as ambitious uh, as you can. I'm for it. Clearly, when you look at how our legal system is set up, it is designed in the state of Florida to invite litigation rather than invite settlement. And you see that are the reason we've had problems with property insurance, with 
auto insurance rates uh, because, because of the litigation climate. So I think all those, but I'm not saying don't do this or don't do that. Um, I'd like to see uh, across the board uh, legal reform. Supporters include the pro-business groups, Associated Industries of Florida, and the Florida Chamber of Commerce. They say the current liability lawsuit system has been abused. The bill as it is now does not include any changes to the state's medical malpractice laws. I'm Adrian Andrews. Florida lawmakers are considering a measure to bring rural electric cooperatives under greater regulatory control if they provide broadband. As Valerie Crowder reports, the state's Public Service Commission would treat those co-ops as public utilities under the legislation. Florida has 18 rural electric cooperatives that provide power to homes, businesses, and farms. Now some of those are delivering high-speed internet to residents who previously lacked access, while others are working to do so. Julius Hackett is the general manager of Tri-County Electric Cooperative, which serves about 15,000 customers in Madison, Taylor, and Jefferson counties, along with parts of Dixie County. Deploying broadband networks, it's already difficult for rural communities. The business case is extremely challenging. Costs to install and maintain these systems are higher in rural areas than they are in urban or urban counterparts. And Tri-County is willing and able to work with others to bring broadband to our service territories without additional regulatory oversight and unnecessary red tape that greatly hinders the progress of these projects. Hackett and others spoke about the proposal during a recent Senate committee hearing. Marva Johnson is with Charter Communications. She says she supports the legislation because she believes it would help Internet service providers get a better deal when it comes to the cost of attaching their equipment to co-op-owned utility poles. If we all negotiate and agree on something, we'll never go to the Public Service Commission because we will have agreed and there won't be any complaint to take forward. Suwannee Valley Electric Cooperative covers Columbia, Hamilton, Lafayette, and Suwannee counties. Vice President Mike McWaters says the co-op is moving forward with a plan to deliver high-speed internet to all of its members. We've never had problems negotiating poll attachment agreements with other private companies. The additional regulatory framework proposed by this bill is unnecessary and could actually be a hindrance to delivering broadband to rural Florida. The bill's sponsor is Republican Senator Nick DeSiglia of Indian Rocks Beach. He says he'll continue working with the state's rural electric cooperatives to ensure the heightened regulatory oversight won't prevent them from delivering broadband to rural communities. I'm Valerie Crowder. Cost is emerging as the biggest hurdle in Florida Republicans' plans to expand the state's school voucher program. Known as Universal Vouchers, the proposal would allow all K-12 students in the state to become eligible for either a private school scholarship or an education savings account that can be used on education-related expenses. Lynn Hatter reports some lawmakers are expressing hesitation about the potential price tag as other states with similar programs begin to face big problems. Arizona blew its $33 million estimate for its universal voucher plan by $450 million. A similar universal voucher bill in Ohio has come in with an expected cost of more than a billion. Meanwhile, the Florida legislature is still wrangling with the cost question after the House recently put that tab at only $210 million. 
Florida has more than 3 million students, while Ohio has 1.7 million. Jacksonville Democratic Senator Tracy Davis cut to the point during a Senate hearing on the bill. Let's don't play with this. How much is this expansion of vouchers going to cost us in the educational realm? So at this time, we're still waiting on the numbers from EDR. Um, There is some discrepancy between um, where EDR is with the Senate bill and the House bill, and so we're still waiting to pull those uh, all of those questions together and make sure that we're giving an accurate count uh, of total cost of this of this bill going forward. That's Tallahassee Republican Senator Corey Simon, the bill sponsor. For Orlando Democratic Senator Geraldine Thompson. That is difficult for me to make a decision to vote for a bill when I don't have the data. Thompson also questions why the state is removing income caps from a program that's traditionally been about supporting low-income kids. Simon says... We're funding the student, uh, and we're not... And, and that doesn't... That's not predicated on what the family has. It's based on what the students or, or what our obligation is uh, to the young people of our state. If you have a, a family that's very high income, they have school choice. Governor Ron DeSantis has noted his cost concerns as well, most recently while speaking to reporters after his State of the State address. The governor says he supports school choice and will likely sign the bill in whatever form it comes. But I also know we're in a situation now in Florida, we have limited number of seats that we could even accommodate in in, in private school. Uh, I'd like to see the focus uh, remain on, on, of course, low income, but even getting in into the middle and even some some sense even higher middle class. Because in places like Miami, says DeSantis, even people making $100,000 or more a year can still struggle, especially if they have multiple kids. Lawmakers did make a few more tweaks to the bill, adding an amendment that would punish operators, directors, and owners of private schools if they close in the middle of the year. The House has an amendment in its bill to create a tiered income structure that would keep the focus on low- and middle-income kids. I'm Lynn Hatter. The governing body for school sports could soon be under Governor Ron DeSantis' control. A proposal in the legislature would shrink the board of directors, allow pre-game prayers for all to hear, and as Gina Jordan reports, it would also allow schools to join other sports organizations. The Florida High School Athletic Association is designated in statutes as the state's governing nonprofit organization for middle and high school athletics. The proposal would cut the association's board almost in half, reducing it to nine members. Governor Ron DeSantis would appoint eight of them. Ultimately, this provides oversight by the state. Tampa Republican Senator Jay Collins said his bill will bring accountability to the board. Former association board member Mark Marsala says he supports the bill because it would enable public schools to join other athletic associations. He works for the Sunshine State Athletic Conference, a rival conference mostly made up of private schools. We allow school choice, academic choice, a choice to homeschool, FLVS. Why not athletic choice? Small, private, public, and charter schools need to make the best decisions for their schools to achieve competitive balance. The one-size-fits-all model is no longer viable in today's world. Current FHSAA board member Richard Finlayson explained to lawmakers that he opposes the part of the bill that changes how board members are chosen. Finlayson is principal of Oscilla Christian Academy, about 45 minutes from the Capitol. He was elected to the association's board by private schools in North Florida. Being able to... um, 
have voice in those who represent us is a really positive thing. And within this bill, it takes the voice away of those member schools, and that's a concern to me. Uh, I'm elected by the private schools uh, from Jacksonville, Pensacola, and down through Gainesville, and that's the area of the state that I, I represent. Collins said a number of issues have arisen in recent years, prompting the need for state oversight. That's why his bill would also allow schools to make opening remarks of up to two minutes on public address systems at athletic events. So what do you consider to be opening remarks? Delray Beach Democratic Senator Lori Berman is Jewish, and she cited that part of the bill, which would allow pregame prayers as a reason for voting no. In an ongoing lawsuit from 2015, Christian schools weren't allowed to say a prayer over a stadium loudspeaker before a state championship football game. The association won the first round in court, but Tampa's Cambridge Christian School has appealed. Collins says the bill isn't forcing schools to offer prayers. It's allowing remarks that the competing schools will generally agree on beforehand. More than likely, this will look like camaraderie, teamship, uh, you know, those things that we all hold to be kind of uh, a key aspect of athletics. My suspicion is that's what the vast majority of these two-minute comments will be focused on, sportsmanship and leadership. Berman asked Collins if he would consider amending the bill to limit pregame comments to those topics. Collins declined. Collins did not address why the bill is coming forward now, but Democrats have their suspicions, citing the recent fight over a rule that would have required girls to report information about their menstrual cycles. The association dropped the question from its student health form. I'm Gina Jordan. Here's a look at what's coming up on day three of the Florida Legislature's regular session. In the House, the Choice and Innovation Subcommittee will consider a measure to control student access to the Internet. It would require district school boards to use filtering applications to prevent student devices from connecting to social media sites. It would ban access to TikTok altogether. The same panel will take up a proposal to change the start times for middle school and high school, pushing them back to grab the optimum time for students to get their sleep. The day for all middle schools would begin by 8 a.m. and for high schools by 8.30 a.m. The Children, Families, and Seniors Subcommittee will consider requiring the State Department of Children and Families to publish and distribute an information handbook to help educate professionals and the public about the Baker Act. The Act sets out legal procedures for mental health examination and treatment, including voluntary and involuntary examinations. It also protects the rights of people examined or treated for mental illness in Florida. The current handbook was last updated in 2014, and some of its frequently asked questions were last updated in 2012, despite the multiple revisions to the Baker Act since then. Ready for the House floor, a bill that would extend workers' compensation benefits for post-traumatic stress disorder to 911 public safety operators and certain crime scene investigators who are not classified as first responders. They would qualify after witnessing a death or grievous bodily injury or verbally aiding a person who dies during a state of emergency because first responders cannot be dispatched. 
In the Senate, the Committee on Fiscal Policy will take up a measure requiring county courthouses to provide at least one dedicated space, other than a restroom, for members of the public to breastfeed in private. And the full Senate is scheduled to hold a floor session. That's some of what's coming up at the Capitol. I'm Margie Menzel. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Brendan Brown, Valerie Crowder, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, and Margie Menzel. Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. That show is also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox. I'm Tom Flanagan. This is Capital Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. A grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley. Supporting public radio and taking time to care. On the web at searcylaw.com. The Florida AFL-CIO, representing over 1 million union members, retirees, and their families, committed to building a better future for all Floridians by promoting healthy communities, economic justice, and dignity in the workplace. Online at flaflcio.org. And from Rambana and Ritchie, immigration attorneys concentrating on complex immigration across the nation from Florida's capital and their mobile office. Self-sponsored green cards, I-9 compliance, and deportation defense. Rambana and Ritchie, on the web at rambana.com. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.